and welcome to episode 15 of Wise Choice, an official Wise Music podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Adam. And I'm Paula, and we're the Daydream Club. And this week's episode... Oh, this week's started, episode... I know, this week's so episode... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we always say that, though. Just two words, wait. Otis, Otis. Redding. Yeah. Well, it was two words. Why did you stop with the one? <laughs> well, I suddenly realised I was just talking over you and you had it under no. control. Yeah. <laughs> Otis Redding. I don't feel like I need to say anymore. Like, you just know it's going to be a great, a great episode. Well, so my whole journey for this episode started with Otis Redding. I was just like... I have these two tracks. I really want to build something around them. Yeah. And so as I started digging into the tracks and into Otis, it led me down a kind of a windy path with loads of interesting connections and findings. Mm. And so That's how we like it, though. We'll, we'll see how that develops as we go through. Go no, through. no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> I like, don't know what I sounded like <laughs> then, but it was a funny tone. Um, so anyway, a little bit of a backstory for Otis Redding just to get us started. He quit school at age 15 to support his family, working with Little Richard's backing band oh, holy moly, wow. called The Upsetters and performing in talent shows. I mean, that just for a start, that first little factoid. Age 15, 15 working with Little Richard's I mean, backing band. Just imagine being, um, you're 15, you're like, oh, I need to support my family. I'll get a job in Little Richard's yeah, band. Well, you don't, just, <laughs> you don't just get to do that. I mean, you've got to be talented to be in yeah, Little know, Richard's backing band. So, I mean, imagine how talented he was at 15. Well, he, yeah, you can tell he would have been anyway. Yeah. But So that's that's pretty cool, straight out of the bat. Yeah. Um, so already, what a legend. Yeah. <laughs> Age 15, legend. Um, and then in 1958, he joined the Johnny Jenkins Band as a singer and driver. Yeah, you got a multi-tap. <laughs> <laughs> Just the vision of getting Otis Redding to be your driver because we know, as we know him now, yeah. it's like, oh man, it's like telling Elton John to be your driver. It's just madness. Um, mm. More on Elton John later. Oh, okay. I didn't mean to do that, but I just, it's funny that his name was just there in my mind. Anyway, um, then an unscheduled appearance on Stax, on a Stax recording session led to a contract with them and his first hit single, These Arms of Mine, oh my in God. 1962. What first hit single with These Arms of Mine. Yeah. That's epic. And then, such a good song. A great track. Um, yeah. So, and then in 1965, he recorded what would become one of his signature signatures, signatures, signature songs, signature songs. We could we could start like a uh, shortening be, it to signatures. If you went through all of our podcasts, then was if you could cut like a little showreel together of all of my well merged Fluffs. words together, <laughs> there must be and so many. And my spoonerisms, and we'll yeah, uh, that's it. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so yeah. one of his signature songs, which we're going to play which is That's How Strong My Love Is. Oh, what a starting track. Ugh, I mean, yeah. This is going to set you up for the rest of the day, by the way, this uh, podcast. If it's the end of your day, then hopefully it'll be sending you to sleep in a really good mood. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's it's but... pretty solely and funky. But anyway, so it was written by Roosevelt Jameson, who is a Memphis, Tennessee music manager, publicist and songwriter. Mm. Um, it was first recorded in 1964 by O.V. Wright, mm. which I didn't know. No. Uh, yeah, I just thought of Otis's version and that was it. But no, it's done previously. Well, I mean, we've covered this like with previous podcasts, how much songs in the 60s were covered by loads of different artists. Yeah, and so close together yeah, as well. Like, 1964, like, O.V. Wright released it, and then Otis read in 1965. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot on the heels. I mean, sometimes it's like months apart, though, and all the ones that we've spoken about. So, Well, this yeah. song has been covered so much. Mm. Everyone's had a go at this song. Okay. And we, we'll cover some of them. There were so many. Like, it was overwhelming we'll how highlights. many. But yeah, I want, I want, we'll get to those in a moment. 
It's um, a sign of a good song, that though, isn't it? Well, it's an amazing song. Well done. Musical. And especially when someone's, when you've heard a version that is really great, it's impossible then not to love it and want to sort of. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about when we start to look at the covers. Mm. I, I do think if you listen to the covers, you start to see that I think the Who's source version? of the covers yeah, have been Otis Redis, Redding's version. That's the starting point. Yeah. You hear bits coming in that are from that, not necessarily from the ones that have come before others. It's like like the guitar parts mm. and the way he phrases it, which is different, mm. which he did a lot. That's like cool. he always makes it his own. And then suddenly that's all you can hear. Yeah. So that, that, that comes out, I think, in the covers. But anyway, jumping ahead. Uh, I just wanted to say a bit more about uh, so Roosevelt managed local groups and had them rehearse at the back of a blood bank that he ran. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, <laughs> it, it seems like a cool guy. This Roosevelt, as I was looking into him, um, and it was through this that he found Ov Wright and James Carr, who we'll get to in a bit. Okay, and they were both in the gospel gospel group, the Harmony Echoes. Oh, that already sounds lovely, doesn't it? I know. Yeah. That's it. I mean, yeah, Ov Wright's got a, a cracking voice as well. Um, so we'll, we'll get to all of that in a minute. Let's first just listen to Otis Redding's version of That's How Strong My Love Is. Yes, let's do it. your day is not better for listening to that track oh it's gonna be a good one isn't it oh. it's so good it's just such a good good song but like the way otis redding delivers it is something special isn't yeah, it yeah definitely and yeah. the musical arrangement and everything um which we're gonna like 
explore further now by listening to some of the versions. Yeah, so I thought we'd start with the original release by O.V. Wright in 1964, just a snippet, just so you can see... The like, phrasing difference. Yeah, so for me, if someone had come out with a certain phrasing, I would probably have been tempted to kind of stick near that. But, mm. but Otis is just like, nah, I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> and he different. he does that so often as well with stuff. I was going to say he really personalises it. But also then the band as well. Um, if you listen out for the the guitar parts on Otis Redding's version, which are quite particular, like mm. the little licks that they do, which don't exist on OV Wrights, but... They Do, kind of make an appearance yeah. on some of the other covers that we're going to look at in a, in a bit. So you can see then who like they've been inspired of influence. Yeah, definitely. By, uh, yeah. Um, so let's have a listen to uh, Ovi Wright's version of That's How Strong My Love Is. actually thought that was a completely different song when I, when we first listened to it. I was I like, are you sure like, it's the, the same words lyrics? Are different. I'm like, no, it's not. Because it was it was phrased so differently and spaced out. Like I was hearing the lyrics interestingly, maybe a bit more with Ovi uh Ovi Wright's version. Yeah. Um but yeah, like I had to go back and forward a bit to, to just <laughs> double check, but it is. It's the same song. It's just so such a different, different delivery. Yeah. But I mean I love Ovi's voice. Oh my so, gosh. So like biting and powerful. It's great. Soulful. Yeah, yeah, what a nice voice. Yeah, I mean, it's literally, it's just a slightly different way of singing it between them. But uh, yeah, both sound great to me anyway. Um, so next up was uh, the Rolling Stones in 1965, which was same the same year, year as Otis, Otis Redding. Yeah, oh, okay. Hot on the Heels. So they recorded it for their third album, out of our heads yeah and i mean they were um no strangers to these kind of songs like they, they, they liked these kind of songs didn't they blues, and blues yeah and, um, and i like their version it's great but i, I think it was, this was one of the ones i was like oh, i think they've listened to otis's so you think version. maybe otis's came out first in 1965 and then they did it the same year oh, it did yeah oh, okay yeah you know yeah, that yeah. already cool. um but yeah, they were hot on the heels, though, weren't they? With yeah. it? Well, they, that's what I mean. We've spoken about this that's already. How, like, how quickly some people can, can turn it around. It. Yeah, know, really, really fast. They anyway. obviously were instantly inspired by it. Like That's all I can think. It's like, yeah. oh, we've got to do that. That's great. Yeah. Which, which it is. So let's have a listen to the Rolling Stones version. That's how strong my love is. <laughs> how many times do you have to say <laughs> that? that like, <laughs> they're really cheesy radio hosts. <laughs> that's how strong my love Okay. Yeah. 
Actually, listening to that snippet, I, I think maybe they've taken his Otis's phrasing, but they've made it their own again. Yeah, because like, they've got that like rockier sound to it. Less... It's quite a messy, rocky sound, yeah, isn't it? But yeah, I think yeah, it yeah. works for them. It's good. Um, yeah, I like. I quite like that one. You should listen to the full version because it's it's cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I feel like with that one, uh, it, I feel like it was done quick. Like, I feel like it's very much in a room oh, I recording. Think, yeah. like, one take, probably. Yeah, 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 just yeah. All everyone of them playing in the room. at once because I, I feel like the Otis Redding one's cleaner. Than yeah, I, I don't know. And that was probably in a room. And you think about the time they were recording. Yeah. It's just the, the types of music, the type of music Otis Redding was doing it was all about being tight. Yeah. And you'd get like a, a super group to back you as mm. well, like a, of session musicians that nail everything in one take. Whereas the Rolling Stones it's is all energy, about being wild and yeah, true. like free and, and a bit unleashed, yeah. which is definitely part been of his charm. with that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now on to 1970. Ooh, okay, uh, so we've had a five-year break. Candy Staten releases it. Um, I've not heard that She's best known for Young Hearts Run Free. Great song. In 1976, or You Got the Love with the Source in also 1986. So, yeah, I didn't know that there's the, the, a That's How Strong My Love Is version, though. So this yeah. will be interesting. Well, she's, I mean, clearly looking at her record of, of great tracks, you know, she's she's going to do a good version. Yeah. You know? Oh, I'm excited about this one. Okay, yeah, let's have a little so listen. This is Candy Statton's version. <laughs> If I were the sun up there, I would glow with love oh, everywhere. I would even be the moon when the sun goes down. For me, that one bears more of a likeness to the O.V. Wright sort of a more of a gospel yeah like. i might agree with you actually listening to the, just the snippet i've picked out there i mean maybe when i was listening to the whole track as when i got the vibe but either way i don't normally include this many yeah. covers in a row but there's just that many there's that many yeah. and they're all kind of have got their own flavor and i just wanted to highlight you know there's so many different ways and they're all great yeah it, it, i just uh, yeah and we're not done yet either we've got one more one more yeah i promise <laughs> that's the last one of this song then We've probably done done this song to death then, but uh, yeah, it's nice to have a because everyone's going to have their version, which is their version that they they know the the best, and not everyone's might be Otis Redding. Some people's might be, um, you know, the Rolling Stones is one or Candy Statton's. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, so for the last one, it's the Hollies released in 1966. So that was just after the Rolling Stones and Otis Redding's version. Um, and this one definitely does bear more of a likeness to Otis Redding. Yeah, so this had that is. trademark sort of little guitar part. The little which, guitar lick, I yeah. think, is in there. Not quite as like tightly played as they did on Otis's version. No, but, but they bring that. They do bring something of their own style to it. Yeah, because so. on this one, they instead of having brass come in, they have kind of their trademark of loads of vocals yeah, doing exactly. the brass part and holding that long note on. Um, so that's kind of interesting how they've done that. I also included the Hollies because. I've said in a previous episode that I've been dying <laughs> to find a way to get in. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. Oh, 
and good you know while we're on the subject of the hollies i thought after this maybe we'll go along to that track yeah. and it'll be a bit of a segue so <laughs> So we're putting it in. So that's, that was the reason that's I included this, uh, <laughs> this version of That's How Strong My Love Is by The Hollies, which you can listen to now. I'd be the moon when the sun goes down Just to let you know I'm still around Yeah, so those harmonies are the trumpets, basically, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's, it's good because that makes it kind of theirs the hollies, a bit then. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, they do some great harmonies and uh, Alan Clark's voice is mm. just great. Yeah, it's very, um, very nice. Yeah, I, do, I, I can look a bit more into Alan Clark after this next track, actually. Um, so... He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, that's the next track, released in 1969. Well, we've only been waiting, like, what are we on, episode 15 or 14? 15? <laughs> yeah. What, uh, so it Finally get into Episode it. 9, we, we mentioned about this track because we were doing an episode about Billie Holiday and that included um, the writer Bob Russell. We touched upon that. Um, and so this song, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, was written by Bobby Scott and Bob Russell. Mm. Okay. And Bob Russell also was the lyricist on songs like uh, Crazy He Calls Me and Do Nothing Till You Hear From Me. Oh, wow. So that's how it all tied in. That. And I thought that was really interesting that he'd go from them songs to them writing something that the Hollies would do. And it kind of doesn't fit, but it really works. Yeah. And they really, again, they made it their own. It was a perfect song for them to do. Oh, wow, what a song, that, what a writer. Yeah, so if you want to hear more about that, you should go back to episode nine and check that out. Yeah. So we're not going to cover too much more of that. Um, fun fact about this track, which I discovered when I was looking into it, was that Elton John, who was working as a session musician at the time, played piano on this track. On He Ain't Heavy, He's My on Brother? On He Ain't Heavy, He's yeah. What? <laughs> he Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. Really? Yeah. Been then is he was he even like is he 1969 was he how old is he i don't know i didn't look it up like 20 22 i suppose he would be old enough to have i was thinking he would make even his been, start yeah it's just i guess it's because he's been so prominent for so many years i'm thinking like I, I was feeling like he wasn't that old but actually yeah yeah he's went in his early 20s i have no idea but i think that's really cool like to listen to it then i had to listen to it again and be like oh yeah that's elton john yeah i can hear that that's i would never in my life have guessed and even though it is elton john and you like we know him now as this epic legend well i know he's on there but like the piano is quite quiet really within the mix and you don't you don't well i I don't i'm wanting to listen to that now like with new ears um (laughs) that's what i had to do yeah um (laughs) i didn't i I suppose because i know elton john as Elton John, you don't think of him as being sort of a session musician. A normal ever, person like, ever before well, that. Well, yeah, yeah, so he did lots of session musician work then. Well, yeah, and, and before that, from the film that they put out as well, you know, he, he did a lot of work in, in pubs. Well, in that, see, that side I knew from the film, but they didn't yeah, but really they didn't, cover... I don't think they covered this. No, that's really music. cool. But that would make sense then that from that he might make some connections and be able to get his foot through the door Solo to take off a career off a little bit, yeah. Because you only need to impress a few people in that kind of world for someone to then see, oh, this guy's really great. Mm. Um, and so, it is it is his piano style underneath. You know, he's quite he's quite a busy pianist, I think. There's a lot of movement. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what's flowing underneath of He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, which I thought was really interesting. Huh. 
Um, just as a little backstory on uh, the Hollies, I just thought I'd include some facts. So they were one of the few British groups of the early 1960s who have never disbanded and continue to record and perform together. Whoa. Uh, other bands like that are the Rolling Stones and the Monkees. Um, who never disbanded? Never disbanded. That's, officially, that's really like, cool. never disbanded. That's, um, that is actually something that's really rare. Like, you can appreciate that, can't you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, A group of musicians long. all working I mean, together for that long. I without... don't know whether it means <laughs> that, you know, maybe they've they've eased off at times or not re- not done much, but they've never said we're over. Yeah. I think some bands they've never might officially now made say a statement, we're over, so and they then can they make then come a comeback. Back. Yeah. yeah, reunion. Uh, Whereas these, they've never a been like, reunion we're gone. That happens every year for yeah, the next five years <laughs> to make our money, and then we'll go away. But still, <laughs> you know, I think that's a, a good effort. That is, um, <laughs> and so the band was founded by Alan Clark and Graham Nash. Oh, which I didn't know either. No, um, they were childhood friends in Manchester, and they just got going with this. Hmm. So uh, I thought it was really cool. Um, so. Let's listen to He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother by The Hollies and listen out for that Elton John piano now that you know. Wow. 
got it in oh, it's so such nice. a tune and well worth the wait oh it's an amazing song and their arrangement of it as well and with the vocals uh, i was gonna say in. alan clark's vocal performance and there, on that it's just great well fo- following that so oh, i was listening to that track and just loving it and loving his voice and and i was like i want more of his voice right now yeah so i went digging to see if i could find any like if he got any solo stuff that I could include, and he did. I found some. Yeah, so there was a nice. track called Hope, released in 1978 um, from the album I Wasn't Born Yesterday. So nearly a decade later then. Yeah. Nine years later. But it's just, uh, it's got his voice all over it again. It's just great. Oh, I want to hear it. I so don't know I just it. So I yeah, I didn't know it. Hope. I wanted to include just a little snippet of that because it's cool. Yeah, awesome. So this is Hope by Alan Clark. I love all those chord changes in it. Yeah. The moving between the minor and major stuff. I love that. I like hearing how an artist can change through the decades. Like you can definitely hear the 70s influence in that. Yeah, the 70s come in. And I think you said, and I agree actually, that um, yeah, like maybe a bit of Bowie influence yeah. coming through a little bit there as well. Uh, I, I can hear a bit of like ELO as well with the with those type of chord changes and the the drama of it all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was a cool track. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's fun. That's nice. Uh, so moving back, kind of coming back to our original storyline with Otis. Anyway, after that tangent, I just <laughs> had, to, had to get the Hollies in. I've been trying and that seemed like a good good time to bring it in. Um, so um, That's How Strong My Love Is was written by Roosevelt Jameson. Um, and the next track was also written by Roosevelt Jameson called I Can't Make It. And I mentioned that he was the manager for O.V. Wright and mm-hmm. also James Carr. And so this was by James Carr, released in 1965. And uh, I just wanted to include this because I think Roosevelt's quite an interesting character and, and it's just a, a cool track as well. Um, so with Roosevelt, after a contract dispute with a co-writer, 
He then focused all his attention on being James Carr's manager, mentor, publicist, composer, and friend. Oh, nice. It's like, just, you're having my whole attention. Yeah. Um, and we're going to make this happen. That's good for James Carr. Yeah, because apparently he and was he was quite painfully shy as oh, well, really? James Carr. So oh. um, it maybe served him well to, to have, just have one person some guys. rather than loads of different people that you're having to deal with. That's it. And someone who's probably like I think result was a guy who can get things done. Maybe he's probably quite personable. I think were they both from Mississippi as well? Oh, I'm yeah, I think up. so. And Are they from like the same place? Kind of running similar church circles. I think it mm. was at the time. Um, in 1977, as well, after this track, uh, Roosevelt mortgaged his home to finance a car comeback. Wow, wow, that's cool. I, I wow. don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if it did very well, but, you know, that's that's commitment, isn't it? To that's mortgage friendship as well, Yeah, I think. Yeah, and it's a proper partnership. Like I proper yeah, because I don't know effort. whether just business would do that. I suppose, I mean, I suppose Roosevelt had a, a vested interest as well because he was writing for him and Carl yeah. was performing and stuff, so... Yeah, it was like a, a joint venture, really, but um, mm. still. Yeah, I cool. thought that was interesting. <laughs> uh, so this is I Can't Make It by James Carr. Now we'll come full circle back to where we started with Otis Redding. Yeah. But this is the other track that I talked about. Because we beginning. said there was two there tracks two that tracks. kicked off the whole podcast, this whole episode. That's it. So this track is Try a Little Tenderness. Yeah. Uh, arguably another one of his kind of signature tracks. Which um, again, you think of that track and I think Otis Redding. I do as well. But right. what? So as yeah, we were digging is... into it, <laughs> yeah, I didn't realise that, it, you know, he wasn't the first to do it. 
No. Uh, so um, in 1993. No, being... 33. Uh, what did I say? 93. Oh, that would be So that would have made Otis the first, definitely. But no, so 19... Otis released it in 1966. But, in 1933, yeah. so, Bing Crosby released it. 33 years earlier. That's mad. It was written by Jimmy Campbell, Reg Connolly and Harry M. Woods. And I mean, Bing Crosby's version is so different. So different. Which again just goes to show how much Otis Redding made a track his own. Yeah. Which is really cool and really hard to do, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, yeah, he really, yeah, he's quite free. He's free mm. with his melodies and his spacing and yeah, he, he brings it. He brings life into it. Yeah, exactly. There's certain that. things, I and mean, we'll talk about it a bit more later on, but there's certain things he does that makes a line so much more powerful than what it originally was. Mm which we'll get to. So first, it, this is a little snippet of Bing, Bing Crosby, just so you can get a feel for just how different it is, where it started. Uh, so here it is. She may be weary, women do get weary, wearing the same shabby dress. And when she's weary, try a little tenderness. You know she's waiting, just anticipating things she may never possess. While she's without them, try a little tenderness. Oh my goodness. I know, right? It's no, crazy, isn't it? That is just, the, I mean, shock. <laughs> like, I, I had no idea. I but... couldn't. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! It's so different, Just isn't it? Just whoa! As if it's come from it there. Comes, I know that feels so impersonal in comparison to like nothing against the Bing Crosby version because obviously it's the original version and obviously the time. Sign, yeah, yeah, it's the sign of the say, time it's been recorded and everything. It but, definitely is a reflection of the time. It's quite and the style and quite of vocal safe. delivery and everything. Yeah. Mm. Oh my goodness! I know. I much prefer where we've come with music, like obviously with the Otis Redding version and even now into modern days where we actually can project a bit more personality into like the delivery of the lyrics and into what you're saying. Yeah. Well, what gets me is how Otis managed to pull Change his it. melody out of that. Yeah. I don't, yeah. He, I, he I wonder well. whether like, did he hear it or did he just have like the music and the words and then he just... He might did... have heard it. I mean, that might have been part of his youth. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Mm. But uh, still... Wow. Yeah, I was really surprised when I came across that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, and so then I also found um, Frank Sinatra released it as well in 1946, okay. so a little bit later on. Uh, it featured on Frank Sinatra's debut album, The Voice of Frank Sinatra. Debut um, album? Oh, yeah. Okay. And in this snippet we're going to play, I picked this out because in the line, it's, it's where he says, uh, things she may never possess. May never possess. Mm. I said that really rubbish then. Things <laughs> she may never possess. Um, and and they just fly straight through it. That's it. Things you know, just say it as that, and that's same as Bing Crosby did it. But Otis says things she may never, 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 never possess. Like he repeats it and really drives it home. Yeah, that is not in, not even a. He's added that, and I think that's just it, that's part of his flavour. That he's adding. It's just you know that makes such a difference. Mm. I think that's really cool. Emphasising, making it more human, yeah. I guess. Uh, but I do like, I think Frank Sinatra's has got a vibe that I do like. 
Yeah. It's hard to get past the original, uh, the, sorry, the original, the Otis Redding version, because that's the one that sticks with me. But, but I, Frank's I is Frank's a level is... up from Bing's, definitely, in that there's a more human delivery. Yeah, it feels like there's some soul coming through of that from Frank. So let's have a listen to Frank's version. So, uh, 1946, Frank Sinatra. She may be waiting, just anticipating things she may never possess while she's without them try a little tenderness it's just still so mild isn't it in comparison to like 20 years later yeah in 1966 where otis redding records it and it's just got so much more bite. Well, it depends what you're after. I mean, that's got that kind of that gentle Smooth. jazz vibe, yeah. and uh, and I think Frank does it well. Like he's he's they've slowed it down a bit more for Frank's and left some space, hmm. which I think helps it to breathe. But for me, you know, Otis Redding's version is is the ultimate. He's king, and he just, just he starts in that kind of tender. And just keeps on building it and but building it until that, it's like, like this raucous at the end. Underneath, like you have that little hint that it's going to go it's somewhere. Going, yeah, yeah. He's laying, laying something down. And then you've got the build of the brass and the arrangement is, it's uh, it's just epic. It's yeah. amazing it track. Great. Well, uh, a little fun fact about this record for me anyway is that um, on the record he was backed by Booker T and the MGs. Ooh. Which, um, cool. if you don't know, they also did like Green Onions yes. and stuff. And, uh, oh, so that, wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, that shows the level of musicianship back in him. And that's, the, again, how tight it is. Like we said this about the first track. Like yeah. you can tell, you know, that it's pr- probably like a live room recording. Yeah, because you get that yeah, that. But when you've got that, that certain calibre of musicians accompanying you for it. oh, On it, top of that as magic. well, though, um, the Stax staff producer... Uh, Isaac Hayes also worked on the arrangement. Ooh, so nice. some of the, the brass and, and elements like that that are coming in are from the brain of Isaac Hayes. That's very cool. So, I mean, Isaac Hayes, Booker T and MGs, and Otis Redding. Oh, Magic. Yeah, and then <laughs> underneath is, is just a great song. Yeah, that's it. Um, so we'll leave you with that, with Otis's awesome version, Amazing Voice. We are Adam Apollo from the Daydream Club and you've been listening to the Wise Choice Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you again next time. Bye. Bye. Oh, she may be weary. Them young girls, they do get weary. That same old shaggy dress, yeah, yeah. But when she gets weary, try a little tenderness, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's You know she's waiting, just anticipating for things that she'll never, 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 never possess. Yeah, yeah. 
they're waiting and without them try a little tenderness that's all you gotta do it's not just sentimental no 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 she has her grief and care Soft words, they all spoke so gentle, yeah. It makes it easier, easier to bear. You won't regret it, no, no. Young girls, they don't forget it. If you enjoyed our show, you might also like Composing Myself. It's another wise music podcast which features interviews with composers and writers getting into the nitty gritty about how they write and their process behind it all. You can find links to it in our podcast or just search for Composing Myself on your platform of choice.